Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. He's about to be beheaded by the emperor of Rome by the name of Nero. And so he puts pen to paper in his last few days and with the end in front of him so clearly, he, he writes to his spiritual son Timothy and he tells Timothy what matters. What really matters in life. I want you to see what he says. With the end close at hand, this is what he says. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-7, through 7, he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the, de- the time of my departure has come. The end is clearly in sight. It's right here. It, I know my days are limited is what he's saying. He says, and the time of my departure has come. This is what he says. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. What is that? Paul has just given us his top three things on his bucket list. With the end in mind, Paul is literally saying, these are the three things, knowing that I don't have much time left, these are the three things that matter to me most. I want us to examine them because when we finish, what I want you to do is I want you to look at his top three and compare them to your top three and see if your top three line up. He says, first, as I'm about to die, the thing that matters to me, number one, was the fight. Paul states that I have fought the good fight. I have have battled through this. I'm not really sure that I can say I know for sure what Paul was thinking, but I think maybe that what Paul is doing is he's saying that when he reviewed his life, what matters most was that he gave his best every day. I fought this fight. It's interesting to me that he doesn't that he talks about his journey, his life as a fight. He doesn't say I, I walked through life and it was easy. He doesn't say I've been I've gone through this and it was enjoyable all the time. He just says that when I review the last, that I, this is it. The end is in mind. I, I see this. I have fought the good fight. He talked about life as a battle. I think the reason that so many of us. Uh, we failed to live up to Paul's standards is because we failed to view our journey like Paul did. Paul understood at the very end, looking back, that we live our life behind enemy lines. This, this is a fight. It is a fight to the finish. And he says, I, I, I didn't take any time off. I, he literally states, without saying it, you can read into it. He says, I fought the good fight. He's late. He said, I didn't let my guard down. I, I never let, let the guard down. I, I used every moment, every day to accomplish God's will in my life. I fought this fight. And, and I think it's a review of, of the fact that he was, here's the key word for Paul, I think, faithful. He was faithful. I, I, I stayed the course. I stayed alert. I stayed on guard. I stayed diligent. I stayed determined. I never quit. I never threw in the towel. I fought every moment of every day. I was a warrior all the way up to the end. I fought the fight. 
I think steadfastness was important to Paul. I think it was on his bucket list. He says, I fought the fight. I think you could exchange that word, those two words, the fight, and put steadfastness. I think he, he was determined that he was going to fight the fight to the end. He was going to remain faithful to his commitment. I think he could have said it like this, I kept my word. I kept my vow. I kept my promise. My word mattered. As you review your life, if you were up against the very end of your life and you knew that you only had a short time left, I wonder if you could say, I stayed in the fight. I wonder if maybe you could say like Paul, I've been faithful to what was really important. Or have you warred for things that don't really matter? Have you let your guard down? Have you loafed? Have you become distracted? I think I find it interesting that Paul says it like this. I, I went back and, and rewrote what he said in, uh, for myself when he says, I fought the fight. I capitalized the three letters of the, the T-H-E, and put them in big letters because he says, I fought the fight. He didn't say I fought a fight. He said I fought the fight. The one that matters. How many of us die on mountains that don't really matter? How many of us fight for stuff that doesn't really matter? How many of us are warring our life away one day at a time? We're giving our life away. We're fighting for opinions. We're fighting for, for material things. We're fighting for stuff that really doesn't matter. Paul says, I fought the fight. The one that mattered. The one that, that was worth giving my life for. What are you giving your life for? What, what are you fighting for? Does it really matter? Is it worth your life? Is, is it the fight? Or is it just a fight? Paul says, I looked at the end of my life and as I review it and I create my bucket list, number one on my list is I fought the fight. The second thing he says is this. He says, I'm concerned about the finish. Not only was I worried about the fight, but Timothy, the other thing that was important to me was the finish. Paul then states that he's achieved another item on his bucket list, that he finished his race. He says it like this, I ran my course. One version says like this, I ran the course that was set before me. Right? You, you memorized it like that as a kid, probably like I did. It, it's, this, it's a similar concept, but it's this idea of completion. Paul uh, was basically saying this, I finished what I started. I finished what I started. It was important to Paul that he was a finisher. He didn't want to be known as someone who started something and didn't complete something. There's an Old Testament passage that has always intrigued me. It's found in 1 Kings. I'll let you look it up for yourself. But in 1 Kings, there's a, uh, one of the kings of Israel, a young buck, uh, comes up to him, a, a young warrior who's being braggadocious because he's about to go to battle. And he puts his armor on and he struts in front of the king and he's talking about, I'm going to go to war and I'm going to go to battle. And the king responds to this young buck like this. He said, the man who puts on the armor should not boast like the one who can take it off. And I read that and I was like, what is he talking about? And then I figured it out. He's saying that it's not in, a lot of people start the fight, but very few people finish the fight. And the one that should boast is not the one that starts something. The one that should boast is the one that follows all the way through and finishes stuff. And Paul says, as he evaluates his life, I finished. 
I completed. I broke the tape. I may not have been the fastest. I may not have been the first. But I finished what I started and I completed my course. This morning I want to challenge you as you examine your life. I want to ask you a question. Are you a starter or are you a finisher? Too many of us start a whole lot of stuff. But we don't complete stuff. We don't follow through. For instance, do you ever make promises that you don't fulfill? Do you ever start working on a relationship but you never finished? Hello? You never finish the relationship. You don't, you don't work through the stuff that you need to work through to finish and bring to completion. You make all these goals at the first of the year, but one weekend you've already broken all your promises. Uh, are you a finisher? Paul shows us that when the clock is ticking down, it will matter to us that we can look back over our life and conclude that we've completed some things, that I don't leave things undone, that I don't finish, I don't leave strings untied. It's important to complete what you've begun. Some of you have started some stuff long ago and you've laid it down and you haven't completed a book, an education, a friendship. What is it in your life that you have not completed? Paul would say it's important when you get to the end that you can look back and say, I finished what I started. Not only that, he says this, he says, I finished my course. That's an important phrase there. I finished my race. It, it was his course. It was not somebody else's course. I think that's important because I think what Paul is trying to teach us is that when you get right down to it at the end of life, it, comparison doesn't do you any good. You cannot run somebody else's course. Are y'all with me this morning? Paul is saying, look, there's a course. Another passage of Scripture says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by God. That means God has given you this course that you're supposed to run. But what I've discovered, if we're not careful, that in life, most of us, we're trying or wishing that we had somebody else's course. I wish my marriage was like their marriage. I wish my job was like their job. I wish my car was like their car. I wish my clothes were like their, car, their clothes. I wish my house was like their house. And we're always trying to compare. And in so doing, we're trying to run somebody else's course. And therefore, we never complete our course. Paul said, when I reviewed my life, I looked back and I recognized I completed my course. Touch your neighbor and say, stay on your course. Stay on your course. Stay on your course. There are too many of us wasting our time trying to run, run somebody else's course. And I, I cannot waste my time wanting or wishing for what somebody else has with, and not completing what I have. There's an assignment that God has for you. Do you know that if you run somebody else's course and you break the tape and you finish first, you're disqualified? Did you know? Oh, some of y'all didn't know that. In track, you have a lane that you are assigned to. In short track, in particular, you have a lane, because we're talking 30 days or less, you have a lane you are assigned to. In the 100-yard dash, if you cross over into somebody else's lane, you are immediately disqualified. Immediately. And yet, how many of us are running our race and all of a sudden we see something we like in somebody else's life or we wish was in our life and we wander over into their lane not recognizing that even if we finish the race right then and cross the tape, we're disqualified because we didn't finish our course. 
the challenges you are facing right now are part of your course. The triumphs you're enjoying right now are part of your course. You've got to finish your race. Then Paul fin finishes his list. He says this. He says, as I examine the end of my life, I recognize that, that the fight was important and the finish was important. But then he comes along and he says, listen, I kept the faith. I kept the faith. When it came down to the last moments of his life, he believed that his faith was important. He held on to his faith. You go, well, man, if Paul was going through what I'm going through, he would recognize that his faith is not that important. My faith is not that important to me because all, all the stuff I've been going through, the pain I've been going through, the sickness I've been going through, the hurt that I've been going through, I, faith is just not on my list. It's just not that important. Listen, we forget who authored this thing. Paul didn't hold on to his faith without his faith being challenged. Do you remember his list? He made another list one time. He listed all the stuff he'd been through. Some of y'all are looking at me funny. Let me remind you of his list. He says, I was given 39 stripes by the Jews on five different occasions. We don't even, we don't even have, we have no concept. This is like strap me to a wall, rip my shirt off, and beat me with a whip 39 times. Uh, the history tells us that, that the Romans had perfected the art of whipping. Now, he says he was whipped by the Jews, but how do you think they learned how to do it? They watched the Romans do it. The Romans had perfected the art that they could beat you so severely to within an inch of your life, just enough right before it killed you. And Paul says, I endured that five different times. Talk to me about him not facing challenges. He says, not only that, I was beaten with rods three different times. Have you all ever been to church camp where they do, like, they put people on the little tunnel and you have to run through it and they hit you with their pillows? See, some of y'all didn't go to the church camp I went to. We, we got really creative. We put tennis shoes in the end of our pillows and it was crazy. But, uh, but that pales into compare, in comparison to they beat him three times with rods. Okay, let's keep going because this shows you how much his faith mattered to him. He was stoned. Different kind of stone than some of y'all. Right. Let's get this right. This is like, let's go out in the parking lot, let me find big rocks and throw them at you. They left him for dead. One of the most brutal ways, to, I think, to, to, to die. People throwing rocks at you until it kills you. Your bones are broken. Skull shattered. Paul endured it. He goes on and he says, I was shipwrecked. He was out in the sea, floating. He was bitten by a snake. That's enough for me, I'm out. No, no, no. It says that, he says, I faced prolonged hunger. And yet, through it all, he says this, I kept faith. He concludes that the challenges to his face, faith only deepened his faith. And so, this morning, what I want to ask you, 
Is your faith really that important to you? Because in light of what Paul went through and his ability to keep the faith, my question for you then is, why is your faith so easily shaken? If your faith really matters, when you review what you've endured in your life, can you say the same thing that Paul said? When your time comes to a close, will you be able to say, hey, I kept the faith. I, I was able to keep the faith. I held on. Did the challenge you faced cause you to want to curl up and quit? Or, or will you be able to say that I went through all the painful stuff that I went through, as brutal as it was at the moment, all this pain that I've gone through, at the end of it, even with, with it hurting and I didn't enjoy it and I didn't like it, but at the same time, I would not give up Jesus. I kept my faith. I didn't give up on trusting God. I didn't take matters into my own hands. I relied on Him. I wonder how many of us quit on our faith at the first sign of trouble. Paul, stoned, beaten, stripes, snakes, shipwreck, flat tire. Flat tire, I'm out. Jesus, why'd you let this happen to me? I give up on you. I thought you loved me, but now I got a flat tire. Paul goes, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was stoned. And even after all that, I was still holding on to my faith in Jesus. How many of us go through simple little distractions or maybe a season of pain or a season of heartache or a season of trouble and yet we still come to this place where we just want to throw in the towel and give up? Paul says, listen, my faith was more important to me than that. So now this is what I want you to do. Take your bulletin or your little list that you made. Pull it back out. I want you to look at it again. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about what Paul said was important. He said the, the, the fight was important, the finish was important, and the faith was important. Now what I want you to do is look at your list and see if it, if it matches. Does what you wrote down really matter in comparison to what Paul said were his top three priorities? Because I didn't see all your lists. I saw Tari's number one and his lined up. I didn't see two or three. So I don't know. He may have missed it after that. Lumped. All right? I don't know. But I would imagine that some of you wrote some stuff down like this. I want to go on a long vacation. Maybe you never had a vacation. So your top three bucket list is I want to go to Mount Everest. You want to see Mount Everest. Or maybe you wrote, I, I, I want to buy, my, my, my number two is I want to buy a huge house. Because you've always lived in an apartment. Or maybe three, number three is, I want to be rich. And my question to you is this, simply this. Do any of those three really line up? Maybe we need to adjust our bucket list. Maybe we need to reevaluate our life and understand that those things don't matter so much. When you look at a man who was about to die and he's reflecting over his life, he says when it all comes down to it, that stuff really doesn't matter. 
really doesn't really, really does, all this stuff we fret over, all this stuff that we're anxious about, all this stuff that we worry about, really doesn't matter. What really matters is whether I stayed in the fight, whether I finished what I'd started, and I kept my faith. Those are the things that matter. Maybe your list needs to be adjusted. Maybe your list isn't really life-worthy. Because we've already talked about this. We are literally giving our life away minute by minute by minute. And so it's important for us to think about the things on our list and determine whether they really matter or not. If we live with the end in mind, do the things that we're giving our life away to really matter? What is, what is it that you want and need to accomplish so that on your last day you will be able to say, I fought, finished, kept the faith. What is it that you need to accomplish to do those things? What matters? Here's another question that really needs to be asked. Who matters? And then here's another question. Why should we even consider this? I would suggest to you this morning that we have to wrestle with two items to be able to live life on purpose. We have to wrestle with these two items and then I'll get out of your way. The first one I've mentioned over and over again, we have to wrestle through what matters. Don't we? Is it just me that I get sidetracked by stuff that doesn't matter? Anybody? It's just, surely I'm not the only one that gives day. I give days away to stuff that doesn't matter. I got teenagers in my house that give hours, days away to video games. And I gripe at them about it, but I did the same thing. I can still remember uh, on a specific day in Purcell, Oklahoma, I was with my grandmother. She was getting her hair fixed. It took several hours to do that. She gave me a, a bunch of quarters. I spent $18 on a video game in one day. Gave my, I gave a whole day. I can give you the stats of how, much, how many days we give away to watching TV. How many days we give away to talking on the phone. How many days we give away eating. How many days we give away sleeping. And my question is, is we've got to wrestle. My challenge to you is this. We have to wrestle with what matters. But there's a second part of that too. We have to wrestle with the when. Because it's not just about the what, it's the when. If you can figure out what matters, you also have to deal with when matters. Because some of you know what matters, but you keep waiting. And time is passing by. And days are being lost. And you keep thinking, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days. Well, what if your days end? So you must come to grips with this concept of this is what really matters in my life. So now I know what matters. I've got to address the when question. When am I going to spend my time on what matters? Because some of you wrote stuff down like this, spending my time with my family. So then the question is, when?
Some of you wrote, I want to write a book. When? Some of you wrote, I want to repair a broken relationship. When? It's not just enough to know the what. You've got to come to grips with the when. Because if you don't come to grips with the when, at the end of your life, you're going to look back and go, well, that mattered, but I'm out of time. i got no time left. So this morning, what I want us to do as we evaluate our bucket lists, it is crucial for you to de- designate those three top items. This is what I want to give my life to. But this is what I want you to finish. This is your assignment right here. On your little list, in big letters above it, I want you to write, when? Question. Come on, write that down. When? When am I going to do this? Because here's the, here's the issue. We can walk out of here this Sunday morning with a great list of what? But the only thing that will motivate us to deal with the what is to confront the when. Why is six years from now better than now? Why is one day out there better than now? What steps can I take? See, this is how this works. When you can identify the, the what, you've got to address the when. And when you address the when, it forces you to address the how. How am I going to do this? Because you're not just going to roll up one day and it happened. It takes baby steps. This is a process. It's baby steps. Paul didn't just finish his course on his last day. It was one day at a time. He worked it out step by step. And for you to write the book, you're going to have to take one day at a time and write. You're going to have to take one day at a time and write. You're going to have to take one day at a time and write. For you to repair the relationship, you're not just going to fix it overnight. It didn't get broken overnight. You're not just going to fix it overnight. you got to take a step here and a step there and a step here and a step here and a step here. And then one day, the what will be dealt with. So what I'm asking you to deal with this week, this is your homework, is to review your what over and over and over again with this thought in mind. When? When am I going to do this? And out of that, I want you to ask this very important question. How? How am I going to make this happen? Because if you don't deal with the the when and the how, 